Hello, ladies and gentlemen, if you are tuning in to From Story to Impact, I'm Steve Gallegos, your host and the founder, co-founder of Voices of Impact Awards. And we're so excited that you're here today because I've got just an excellent, phenomenal guest from the media and public relations industry, Miss Susan Harrow. And we're going to bring Susan on here in a moment. She's going to say hello to you. And we're going to invite Susan just to deep dive with us a little bit during the, the the short time that we have with her to get to know her a little bit and also for her to share some of the secrets about why storytelling is important and why it's relevant today, whether you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or even just a private individual. Because sometimes, as, as you can see in today's news, you may find yourself inadvertently the subject of a media story. And so you will want to know how to handle that. And, and the best person I know on the planet to help you do that is our guest, Susan Harrow, who's coming to us, our studio from San Rafael, uh, California, which is a beautiful city up in Northern California near San Francisco. Susan, welcome to our studio today. Thank you for so joining us. Here. I'm so happy to be here. And I love that you already know the surroundings of where I live. And I have actually been to where you live too, and hiked up some huge mountains in that very yeah. thin air. Yes, there are huge mountains and the thin air will get you. So yeah, that was something that we had to acclimate ourselves to. We still do, right? We go to the gym, my wife and I, three, four times a week, and we consider ourselves yeah. healthy and fit. But yet when you get out there still, um, I don't know if you, when you were down here, did you experience there's these steps um, in uh, that you climb? Honey, do you remember the name of the steps? I'm asking my wife. Something incline, Manitou Incline, which is in south in Colorado Springs. And it's like 2,500 steps from ground zero all the way up into the sky. I'm happy to say I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so pe people train their lives for that. And we do have one guy here that uh, is a local that runs those steps every single day. Awesome. Wow. He runs them, right? So, yeah. That. Well, I love that you brought that up because obviously he didn't start with running 2,500. He, no. You, you know, you can't run a marathon before you walk a mile. So I'm sure he started slow and built up. And I think it's the same thing with media. Lots of people, you know, when they first come to me, they want to jump right into national TV. They want to be on CNN and ABC and Good Morning America. But I highly recommend that they practice first locally on their local TV stations so they can get the feel of what it's like and also the sense and the sense of the rhythm and timing and then build up to national. So everybody can start where they are and start in their very own hometown. And, and I also recommend obviously that you don't start with TV first. It's just like, you know, if you were on stage as a speaker, you're not going to start speaking to hopefully a thousand or 10,000 people right away. You start with, because the energy is so different. You would start with 10 people and build up to 50 people. And because managing your energy and managing the stage with more and more people in different stages takes a lot of practice. So it's the same with media. Managing I love it. your energy with managing the the um, studio or the situation that you're in. Like lots of times now it's it's at home, but sometimes you're going to be in studio. Wonderful. And that is great advice. That's just beautiful wisdom to start off with uh, this particular segment, because the audience that's coming to the Voices of Impact Awards, these are these, uh, quite a variety of people. We have celebrities and we have people that are um, in the media already, right, that are public figures. And then we have folks, and this is the majority of our audiences, folks that have probably hinted at the idea or toyed with the idea that maybe they want to share their story and maybe they want to get out there, but they haven't taken those next steps because really there isn't a platform for them to do that. And so we've created that platform and now they're coming to, to terms with, uh-oh, what do I do now? And so when we talk about getting exposure, we talk about media, you're right. So many entrepreneurs, oh, I want to get on Good Morning America and CNN and Fox and National, right? And, and your wisdom is start local first, start speaking on one-on-one -on -one calls like this, like you and I are having now, just getting used to your voice, 
getting used to your platform and, and getting used to people responding to you. When I was teaching at the learning annex, um, you know, you think that something, you don't know what's going to play. You think that you're wise and you think that you've got great stories, but you need to test it out in an audience and it needs to get verified to get that energetic exchange. Is this really landing? And that's what you can see. And I, I remember like wondering like, why are people laughing now? Or what did I say? And, and then shifting and iterating that speech. I was, just media training a CEO of a company that just got $50 million to expand. And they're already in like, they're all already worldwide. And when we were working, he's actually going to be speaking on a stage of a thousand people. And he hasn't done that before. And he has eight minutes. So mm-hmm. we have to, we, while we have to tightly script it, what I recommend and what he wasn't used to doing is we started workshopping it, meaning We were just playing. We were just talking. We were just like, tell the story. So sometimes people like write it out and it becomes very stiff because writing is different than speaking. So, and he wasn't used to that either. He's like, I'm, I, you know, like to work from a script. And I said, I understand that. And since we're here and we just have an hour, let's start telling the stories and let's see what happens because different things come out when you're relaxed and you tell the story just fresh, like in the moment when you're relaxed. So then you can get back to that relaxed feeling and see how the stories come out. And by the way, I had media trained their other CEO and they had their core story that they had always told in the same way. And when he told it to me, he told it differently and he told it better. So the next time they used it, they had a media interview right after that. They used the new story. So practice out loud, practice with an audience, even if it's just your friends or one person to see how that lands, to see what they, you can ask them, "Mm, what stood out? What do you remember? And can you repeat back to me what you heard and just listen for what they say, you know, what pops. Right. Susan, that's beautiful advice. Do you, do you recommend that you practice in front of someone that really knows you because they know you or, or someone that doesn't really know you because then they're more apt to, to listen? For I example, would do both. I would do, do both and see what the response is. The more people you can practice in front of in the different types of audiences, the better for you. So if you can set up those kind of practice scenarios, I would, I would do it. Yeah. Wonderful. Good advice. Before we get into even more great details and wisdom from you, I know you've we could spend all day with you and we still wouldn't get to the, you know, everything we need to know. Tell us, Susan, a little bit about you. How did you get into this? Because nobody's born into PR and media and having the savvy and wisdom and experience that you do. So what was your journey? How did you get to this space? Well, it's it's kind of a long journey, starting with um, I majored in Shakespeare in Shakespeare. Yes. Oh, so, my goodness. And, you know, and I also worked in I had a, a, quite a lot of jobs, but I worked in advertising and then I thought I wanted to work in advertising, but I also worked for several startups and in high tech sales. And I was also a consultant in HR in Pacific Bell Directory. And the way that I built my business is I built it the same. I built it as I was growing, like I started doing, um, you know, I started working with a gal who did PR for the North Face and Bill Graham Presents and the Telluride Festival. And I just thought, let me trail her and see what if I like it. And so my, I just listened to her on the phone. And you know, then it was phone, it was phone before it was this was actually before email. And rotary, rotary and, dial phones. No, it was it was still push button, <laughs> <The> but <laughs> but we were we blast faxing first was like revolutionary, and then I had a, a one of my first clients was a, a high tech um, computer, Larry Maggot, who's a technology columnist, and he taught me how to do blast emails. So I was learning from him to do the PR for him. So I worked with her. My one of my very first clients was Missy Park of Title Nine Sports. She was just a two person. Now she's one of the largest retailers in women's sportswear today. But I started small. And then what I found was my, I could get my clients booked. I booked them on Larry King Live and Oprah and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal. And sometimes what would happen is a big nothing. And so I started looking at what was happening. And what was happening is they weren't saying things that were compelling. They weren't telling those stories that were driving and engaging the audience. So I started working with those clients because they're like, 
Susan, it didn't sell my product or book. And I'm thinking, well, that's not my fault. Right. right. You know, I did the booking. Right. And so I started working with them and I loved it so much. I moved full-time into the media training aspect where I work with people. So everything they do say are and think from their words to their websites and alignment. So when they reach out to the media, it has the effect that they want and that they're saying the kinds of things that really connect with their audience. And it's the same in speaking. It's like, if you're speaking to lawyers like you, it's going to be different than you're speaking to housewives or entrepreneurs. Right. You're going to have to angle your message to them. And I was talking to a woman, I was a media training, a woman who was uh, expert in the metaverse, a, a different kind of metaverse. And she had just lost, uh, she had spoken to VCs and she had just, she didn't get the money. And I said, well, were you, what were you, she had already given me her, like her talk. And I'd looked at her talk that she had spoken about to architects. And she goes, I gave the same talk. And I said, well, that was fantastic for architects, but VCs have a totally different need and a Mm -hmm. totally different perspective. But she didn't know yet how to modify that. She had, I mean, she has a fantastic background and lots of, of super success, you know, but she didn't know how to modify that for each different audience. And that's going to be essential for people who are working with you to do this talk, to make sure it resonates with the audience that you're in front of. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Um, how does one go about um, uh, identifying the audience? In, in, in other words, what do you recommend that they do in that regard? Especially when you're being asked to speak to members of the general public, right? It could vary from you know, uh, college students to retired folks could be in the audience, right? In other words, when you're being invited not to speak to lawyers or doctors or Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, members of the general public, which is what the Voices of Impact is, the general public is going to be listening. In some respects, they're going to be voting on some of these stories and some of the presentations. What is your recommendation there? What are the universal stories that are going to resonate that are going to touch the heartstrings of people? Because stories, why stories are important is number one, when we tell a story, our brains sync up together. Neuroscience says we sync up our breathing syncs, our stories sync. So we're already in, we're already in a deeper relationship with each other. And then what you want to think about is what are the stories that are going to be important to the audience. So you might actually even create different stories for for people who are in the audience. Like a person who's retired is going to have a different, they're going to care about their grandchildren and about doing leisure things. And somebody who's in college, they're going to be thinking about the brave new world that they're entering and, you know, new exciting adventures. So you want to think about, um, telling stories maybe that resonate with each group for a different reason. But the the great thing about stories is that you can wrap them up and make them relevant to any audience. You know, it sometimes that same story can be told and then it can have, you can have like three different like lessons that resonate with your different markets, right? So it, it can even be the same it can even be the same story, but you angle the last couple of lines specifically to whoever whoever you're speaking with. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. It makes sense. And one of the ways that we like to explain it is that a, a story is, is simply um, a series of events that you have experienced that you've gone through in your life, or maybe you've observed somebody else gone through that have impacted you or or you've learned from. And so the idea, as Susan is explaining, if I get it right, Susan, if I get it wrong, let me know. Um, But if I get it right, is that you take these series of events and put it together into a framework that will resonate with the entire audience. And then you take from that story, perhaps two or three teaching points. So if you know that you have college students and you have uh, stayed home, single moms, perhaps, and that you have entrepreneurs, maybe from your story, develop a point that would apply to the college students, one to the stay at home moms, and one to the entrepreneurs. Yeah. Is that essentially what you're yeah, saying? That is, I like that. Yeah, the teach, that's what, thank you for clarifying. It is the teaching points at the end. And I was media training um, an executive who 
I was trained, I was hired so he could enhance his executive presence and his leadership qualities. There was no hire where he could go. And he was speaking to audiences of like 800 people, but they were different within the company. There were like three different audiences. So he had to keep everybody's interests. Mm-hmm. So we, even if he was telling, like we had, we incorporated some boyhood stories that he could connect to the points that he wanted to make on his um pitch deck on his slideshow, right on his PowerPoint, and make sure that every single each of those three groups were still engaged by it. You know, so those are the kinds of stories that we work with, because otherwise, and his presentations were like, three hours. So imagine trying to keep oh. somebody's attention. I know for three hours, like yeah. that's none of us, right? So <laughs> it's anymore, really no. hard. So um, yeah. So, yeah. so that was something that we, that we worked on. Um, with those those stories that could resonate with him. And I think sometimes when we talk about like childhood incidences or things that we know are universal to people, we really want to be thinking about that. And I know, I don't know if you wanted me to tell one of those stories. I'm going to invite you in a second to share a story, but you said something very critical that I think requires um, a little bit more uh, distinction here. Okay. You, you, indicated that the CEO, this executive, was sharing a personal story or was um, maybe wanting to get more attention for himself. And it just dawned on me that there's different, I think you're suggesting there's different types of stories because your story can be based on, or the, the aim of your story, I think what you're saying is can be based on you becoming the hero and becoming more famous or whatever it is that you want to achieve. Yet, there are stories that are designed to perhaps sell books or move products or services. Yeah, There's stories that are designed to highlight, uh, you know, something about your company that's got nothing to do with sales or nothing to do with you personally and a myriad other types of stories, right? Can you walk us through just a little bit of the types of stories that we might want to focus on? Yeah. So the first story is your signature story. It's it's why you do what you do or why you're standing on stage. What's your point there? And we are, that's the one, The but we're going to offer five different templates to do that. They're not all there. Of course, there's more than five, but from me listening to thousands and thousands of interviews, I've, I've found five that are standard, that standardized, that can be told very quickly. And for a speaking engagement, sometimes it's a much longer story. Like for media, it's going to be very short. Um, TV is the shortest, but podcasts are a little bit more forgiving. But in, in a, in a speaking, like one of my clients, um, he would tell a story in 45 minutes. Like he was a motivational speaker and his very first media appearance was on uh, Larry King Live. The second one was Oprah, right? So we had to take those 45 minutes and put turn them into 45 seconds. Right. So you want those stories to be expandable and collapsible like that. So to your point, different stories, you want to have your your core story, your signature story, why you do what you do. Why did you write your book? Why did you start your business? Why are you talking to me today? And then you want to have success stories of your clients or your experiences. Now, if people are new in business or whatever, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't have to be a formal business. It can be just some way that you've connected with someone that's made a difference in their life. And if you are promoting a book, for example, or something specific, you want to have stories that relate to how you you interacting with people has had a had some kind of impact or result for them because that's what we we're looking for the experience of whatever it is you're offering right so we're we're looking to feel it we're looking to experience it like even something like nike it's not really about shoes it's about what you know just do it but be the best person that you are you know like we were talking about we we had to start small with those steps that person right. didn't that person didn't, um, you know, run those to 2,500 steps. steps. And I remember when I was in college at UCSB and I was running 12 miles a day. And I remember this woman coming up to me and saying like, "Um, I really want to start to exercise and I don't know how. And I said, start by walking for one minute. Like if you can walk around the block or around, you know, one part of the campus, start there because she had never exercised before. And it was just one of these crazy things when I went back to visit 
that woman who I didn't even remember, it was like a year later, I went back to visit some friends on campus and she came up to me and said, what you told me, like totally changed my life. I'm now running 10 miles a day. I'm like, what? Right. So it was that starting small. So I really believe in starting small and anything that you do and taking those micro movements, you know, and taking just like start anywhere, start where you are, but just start small and, and start to gain some proficiency, competency. So some people believe that confidence comes, just comes to you, but, but it's really when you start to become competent, your confidence raises. So it's that competency that gives us the actual experience when we start to And it doesn't mean we're not going to get nervous. Like I still get nervous. I'm still nervous. I was still nervous to talk to you. I don't know you. I've never (laughs) met you. You should be. You should be. (laughs) (laughs) But I still get nervous before any of these. It's just the way it is. And then to, to just acknowledge that and turn that into more. I was still, I was excited, but I was also a little nervous, you know? Yeah. So it's just, and then I do exercises to calm myself down (laughs) so I can (laughs) relax, right? Wonderful. I'm glad you shared that. And thank you for all the beautiful illustrations that you're providing. I mean, it's just so wonderful to to be able to interview someone with your experience. But before I go to my next question, did you say that you graduated from UCSB or D? Oh, I went to UCSB, UC Santa Barbara, and I graduated from UC Berkeley. I transferred to UC Berkeley, so I graduated from there. Yeah. I was a sheriff's deputy with the Santa Barbara County oh Sheriff's Department, and I worked in Isla Vista. <laughs> well, I used yeah. to run on the beach and run around that lagoon. I ran on the beach in the morning and around the lagoon in the afternoon. Well, I'm pretty sure I never gave you a ticket because you were too fast. <laughs> I think you're way younger than I am, so I don't think you were there at the same time. <laughs> what a beautiful time. Yay. Great. Um, Susan, media, public relations is all centered around stories, right? We're people. It's it's all about stories. That's news. It's all about stories. What what happened? What is it important about what happened that we can share those kinds of things? You are a master, not only at helping people develop and share their stories, but you have probably heard thousands. And th- I mean, as a lawyer, I've heard thousands of stories. Bet, you really. probably have hundreds of thousands of stories because you're in and out of it every day, multiple times a day. So do you have a favorite story that you like to share that can kind of serve as an illustration of the kind of things that we've been talking about with our audience? You mean about me? About you, about your experience, something, a story that you like to share from stage or not, or maybe something over coffee or, you know. I think I haven't really told this story on stage and I've told maybe parts of it in a video, but I think this will be the first time that I'm going to tell it in this way. And I I do recommend that you play with your stories and try them in different ways for different audiences and find like different parts. And then that way you can find the most effective way to tell it. But when you have different timeframes and different audiences, you want to tell it more expanded or more details and, and just play with, with that aspect of it. Right. So, so yeah, I was thinking about this this morning. So um, I'm a black belt in Aikido and I, um, and I, before that I was a teaching tennis pro. So I consider myself an athlete, but when I got onto the mat and Aikido, I'm so awkward. It's like dancing. I would just like the worst kid, I would be like the kid that was chosen last in soccer. And in fact, that's what would happen. We would have to pair up in Aikido you bow to the person next to you and you then train with them for a certain amount of time when a technique is shown and people would literally get up and run to not train with me. That's how bad <laughs> I was. I know. I'm thinking I'm like, Oh, now I know what the, the, the kids, you know, who get chosen last feel like. And so it was horrifying to go every single night because I was so stressed out about like, is nobody going to want to train with me? And I was so awkward. And every single night I would actually go and cry afterwards in my car, never on the IQ map, because that is not the warrior spirit. But every night, literally, I would be in my car and going like, I love this so much. I hate this so much. I really love hate. And I want to be good at it. It's so beautiful. And I'm not. And so I kept training. I trained two hours a day, five days a week, every single day, and was just very little improvement. 
And one night I went to a training with a senior, uh, a, a senior student there. He, so it was not our sensei and, you know, I'm being awkward. And he, and he says in front of the whole class, Susan, you're always doing your footwork is always wrong. And it's totally cattywampus. And you usually in the on the Aikido mat, you do not single out people and and embarrass them in that way. If someone's having trouble, you share it with everyone. So because most people may be having that same trouble, but not this. It's like you pointing me out, and people were mortified. And there were new students in there, and and experienced black belts, and people just everything just sort of stopped. And I thought, you know, I wanted to maintain my equanimity and not give it any energy because. Even if when you give something negative energy, you're still giving it energy. So just like, I'm just going to try to do the best I can with my, with my footwork and improve it. And so when I came home, I told my sweetie about that. And he's like, why do you keep going to this guy's class? And I said, because the spirit of Aikido is to turn lead into gold and to polish my spirit. And I will go to this guy's class until that doesn't bother me anymore. And until I can master myself and be a beautiful Aikidoka on the mat. And what I want to, so, okay, we're, we're talking about like creating then a teaching moment. If I wanted to create a teaching moment, I would say, I would say probably three things. Number one is iteration. It's not ten, doing 10,000 things the same way, doing 10,000 times, iterating and changing and improving each time. And that's what we do in media. Like you have a media appearance, we look at what do you do right? What do you what do you want to shift for next time? And then you keep getting better and better. Same from speaking the stage. Did that story land? What part didn't work? What is working? What isn't working? And then the second part of that is mastering yourself. Like when you're on stage or when you're in a media appearance, you may get thrown off center. And it happens. You get a question that you didn't expect, or a person heckles you, or something happens. It's about when you get thrown off center, being able to come back to center, breathe and respond from a place of kindness, compassion, humor, whatever that is. And I think the third thing is that polishing your spirit, which is really it's about growing PR and media is as much about growing your personal self is it about your as your professional self the more you can command your own self it's not about commanding others it's about connecting with others and commanding yourself so those would be the three lessons that i would take from that wonderful beautiful lessons and so i'll i i take it that before i ask you a little bit more about the lessons you got your footwork right because you became a black belt but not a pretty one. I'm still not, <laughs> I'm not a graceful, beautiful, I, I am a black belt. And that, and we, by the way, in the dojo, we're considered when you become a black belt, you are now teachable. So it's really You're just teachable. Wow. Yeah. So it's, wow. it's not considered mastery. It's considered you are somewhat competent. Wow. You're just beginning at that You're just point. Beginning. Wow. Now, now you now you're teachable once you've, you've gotten your black belt. <laughs> wow. Look at that. Does that same uh, philosophy holds true in storytelling. Is there ever a point, perhaps, is there anybody on the planet that you know that is just a masterful storyteller? They don't need any further development. No. No. Okay. I think everyone can develop further. <laughs> a master storyteller, like someone on stage who we can learn a lot from is Jerry Seinfeld. You know, timing, body. I mean, he's a master at at getting us to laugh, right? And that that's part of it. But no, I think that we can all always and in in the media realm it's it's expert authority thought leader. So as you but there's always things to improve. Always even with my clients who are regular commentators or top thought leaders or New York Times bestselling authors, they always come to me with their oh you know what moments like this is what happened. Oh my god, I was caught off guard. So I think it's a hundred percent of the time you're growing, you know, and learning new things. And I think it's it's I think it's infinite. Yeah, wonderful. I I happen to agree with you on that point, all your points. And I like to make the distinction when I'm coaching or, or speaking from stage when we talk about this idea of personal development and the idea of 
striving for your potential or reaching for your potential. When I hear people say, I want to reach my potential, I go, no, you don't. Because once you reach your potential, that's it. You're maxed out. There's nowhere else to go. And so you don't really want to reach your potential. Where do you go beyond your potential? Right. So I like to say you don't ever want to reach your potential. You don't know what you're capable of. Exactly. So I reach every day, every moment. And this is what you're talking about in the iterations and the self-mastery is that perform, deliver, work, show up to your best capacity, to the to, to the capacity that you're that that you have at that moment and then the more you do that through the iterations that susan is talking about you're going to develop more and you're going to develop more and so so your capacity is always growing your capacity is ever growing so long as you keep uh susan called them iterations we like to call them practice you might know them as rehearsals and i love the fact that she pointed out don't keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different reaction from the audience you need to change up what you're doing how you're doing it your body language how you say perhaps your tonality um there's there's just so many things that that go into this until you get the connection with the audience right um that's the iterations and so don't do it yeah, it's you know, rhythm it's um it's Rhythm, pacing, pauses, voice variation, movement on the stage. How do you use your body? All the dimensions. Because right. most most people just like walk back and forth. But we have all we have top, bottom, side. Um, you know, spinning. You know, <laughs> arms exactly. up, arms. You know, right? Like we exactly. Got all- kinds of ways we can use our body expressively. That's why I brought up Jerry Seinfeld too, because it's like sometimes the slightest movement. That's what makes you laugh. It's like right. the halt or the, the pause or the pop, right? right. Like it's all of those kinds of things. And the CEO that I was just media training, he's like, I'm kind of monotone. What should I do? And I'm like, well, mm. we'll work on the pacing and the pausing and try it another way. And what do you want to emphasize? Where do you want the audience to wait? You know, so all of that is in practicing a story different ways, pausing in different ways, emphasizing it, speeding it up, slowing it down, legato, staccato, right? Musical terms. Musicality of it. All (laughs) of those things. We're looking at all of those things when we're looking at how you command yourself on the stage. Wonderful. And when you're talking about pausing, um, a a lot of people find that very awkward and discomforting. Um, But silence, how do you how do you recommend that people include silence as well as deal with silence? Like if, if you're a speaker, and you've posed a question, and there's immediate silence, you might want to, I don't know, try and fill in the gaps. Or if you are intentionally using silence, you know, what do you recommend there? In other words, how do we employ silence? Judiciously. Judiciously. And for you to get comfortable with it first. And what happens? Because sometimes, particularly like in a negotiation, you don't want to speak. You want to wait. And it can be uncomfortable. But to start to get comfortable with the discomfort of it. Now, there can be lots of things that are not having to do with that when you're asking a question. Because here's one of the issues I know that comes out a lot in book talks, authors, because I've media trained a lot of authors, right? When you're in a mode, meaning you're the one who's delivering and the audience isn't asked to respond, and then suddenly you're asking them to switch from listening mode to speaking mode, A lot of times what happens is nothing because an audience is in the receptive mood. So what I would recommend, because people learn best in movement, is you get your audience participating right away. So when you ask them to participate, you're you're schooling them on how to participate. First in small things, maybe just say yay or raise your hand or how are you or whatever that is that you're that you're doing, like how many of you think this, raise your hand. So you start to get them moving. So when you are asking for something, then the expectation is that that they will respond. So you need to give them that instruction and, and make it safe for them to respond by asking for little things first, and then going up to bigger, more, perhaps more uncomfortable things. But that's, that's one of the intrinsic things about the energetic is sometimes people go, well, it didn't work. It's like, but wait, it's, it's not working because 
um, the question might be too hard or, um, you know, for any number of reasons, I think. So we, we want to look at that. And other ways, silence is to use it where you really want people to think or you want to let something sink in. It's actually a gracious gift to the audience to give them some time to absorb it. So the so you're having like a call and response. It's not just you, 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 out, 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 out. There is a kind of call and response anyway, even if if your audience isn't speaking. So you're frozen. Oh, oh, you're yes. not frozen. You're just thinking. <laughs> no, I was being <laughs> silent. I know it's a little harder to read. I'm like, frozen. <laughs> no, I was practicing what you just showed us and being oh, silent. Oh, okay. Because I was ref- like, the screen's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was reflecting on what Susan said. And was, yeah, before I respond, let me just think about this and let it sink in. Yeah, it, it can be uncomfortable. And um, I know that a lot of people... Uh, you know, need to get over that. And so the information, the wisdom you just shared on that, the guidance is going to be very, very helpful to them. And you mentioned something, you said gracious gift. And I want to recognize you for being the gracious gift that you are to our organization, the Voices of Impact Awards. Um, Because one of the reasons that we created this event, this annual year-long event, is not just to give people a platform where they can share their stories and open up to the world a little bit about what they've experienced, what they've gone through, and what they can teach the world, um, because we all need that, regardless of our stage in life or our stage in society, or whether you're a CEO or you're a five-year-old child, we all need stories. We all live for these stories, right? They they help us get through the day and through tough moments and, and even happy moments. And so you, Susan, having you as one of our mentors, um, official resource partners, is, is a beautiful, beautiful gift uh, that you're giving of your time to our audience, uh, the time that you've given us here today on this interview. And there will be other interviews with you, Susan, just so the audience knows, oh, we want more, we want more. Yes, you're going to get more of Susan, but just not today, right? We're going to space it out so that she doesn't get tired of us, okay? Um <laughs> Um, but you also have a gift for our audience. Anybody that goes to the website, just to even look to see what we're doing at the Voices of Impact Awards, can receive a free gift from Susan and share with us a little bit about what that is. You talked about it earlier, some signature story templates. Yeah. So so through you know really analyzing thousands and thousands of people on, on TV from the stage, I came up with five templates that are simple to sort of wrangle your signature story. Now, does everybody's story fit exactly into that? I was just with a client yesterday. She's a cybersecurity expert and diversity inclusion expert. And she, I had given her that sheet and she was, we were working on, we we have some, oftentimes we have more than one signature story, by the way. So we were working on the signature story and it wasn't like working. And she goes, I used your format. I go, which format is it? And she, she told me which one I'm like, well, it didn't sound like that format. And you added in all of these other things. So that didn't actually work. I said, it's not about trying to squish your story into a format. It's if these stories, if these formats lend themselves to the story that you want to tell, choose the one that fits. And if it doesn't, choose the format for you that maybe is a variation of that. So I want people to know that this is flexible. This is flexible too. And if there need to be other added details into it, you are free to play with it. But we have five the five templates. It's called your signature story. And they're the five templates that you can that are fill in the blank. So it makes it super, super easy to get started. Especially if you and you can do all five. Like you you might you might have you might use all five of them and you might use a different format, but it's just to give you the flexibility and freedom to play with it. Wonderful, wonderful. That's going to be so valuable. And essentially what Susan is giving you folks is recipes, right? And like she said, not every story fits into this particular template or a specific template. And so you're free to modify it. Just like if you had a recipe for what in my favorites, chocolate chip cookies, oh. if you want to add more chocolate chips, then the recipe calls for do it. Right. Oh, well, uh, exactly. Yeah. 
yeah. more sugar, more butter, whatever you want to do, modify it until it um, uh, suits you and and helps you um, not only develop, uh, write your story, but to deliver it as well. Now, Susan, we're giving them a little bit of, you know, the preparation to sharing their story on a big scale. Um, what happens when one of our audience members wants to work with you? And they should. We're going to encourage as many of them as can and want to to work with you because we want to develop people, right? We want to. The reason we're offering you is is not just so they can go and share their story and say goodbye, but through the process of sharing their story, you're also growing, you're evolving, you're becoming better. At whatever it is that you do, whether it's you're a CEO, you're a parent, you're a community leader, you're a church leader, whatever it is that you do, we want to make you better. And so, making Susan available to you will help you do that, understanding her time is very limited. And so, Susan, I want to ask you, um, what types of projects or individuals do you work with? Do they have to have a certain status? Do they have to have a book? Do they have to have uh, media calling them? Uh, what's the best way to work with you? Yeah. Um, and and I love that you're talking about all those different types of people, whether you're a church, church leader or a, or a parent or a soccer mom or, or, you know, already a leader in your community or a founder of a company. I love that you've like included everyone. And I think that's really beautiful. And thank you for offering this. I think it's so valuable for people and, and not just to win the prize, right? right. Like, but to really develop yourself and develop your stories and really connect with people. So I work with people um, and you asked, like, I work with beginners and I work with people who are already famous and celebrities, you know, so it really, everything, it really doesn't matter to me who, you know, what stage you are in. Some people already have a PR firm booking them. That's ideal because we, we have a container and we know that you are Forty media, media worthy, but sometimes um, people come to me and they don't have that. I was just talking to a doctor who wants to write a book, and she's got a very unique angle. And I said, "Let's find you a PR firm, and then I'm going to media train you, and we work hand in hand." So I, that's how I work one and one with people. Mm-hmm. If they want to work with me very intensively. The uh, the next level is with my Zen of Fame course, which is a publicity course that shows you how to develop your message, create your systems behind the scene, because publicity ushers people through your door, and then you need to open it. So it's hot leads that come to you, but you have to have a system to process those leads and put people through your, um, whatever that is, whether it's a phone call, your website to move people into your container, whether it's to engage with you for free, or to hire you or take your courses or whatever that may be a creative partnership. And then, so the so the first part is creating your messaging because you want to create that before you reach out to the media because you want to be able to explain your business and brand and what you stand for and your philosophy and what's connecting with the audience first Then the system set up. And then the last thing is to create a PR campaign that suits your style and suits your energy. So it's those three aspects. So you can take that. Now I'm starting a mastermind where you work with me in a group while going through that course at your own pace. And then the last level is if you just want to take the course on your own, you still get one private call with me to jumpstart it, but you take the course and just self-pace on your own. And I've had people in the past when I first started this and I had it all separate, people would, some people zoom through the course on the, on an airplane, right? And other people took a year to go through it. So it's really your own pace. And then some people took it and then they come back and take it again because it's, it's a lifetime. So you can access it whenever you want. So those are the three levels. And I invite anyone to, to engage with me at whatever level is best for them. And if none of that's right, I have lots of free things on my website. Go to my blog at prsecrets.com forward slash, I think it's forward slash blog, and things will pop up. And on that page, I also have lots of other free offerings. So you can tap into wherever you're interested. Wonderful. That sounds beautiful. So if any of you are at the point where you believe that you need media training or 
if you think you're going to need it here in the um, near future, I highly recommend that you connect with our official resource partner, Ms. Susan Harrow, um, to guide you through that, because I don't know that there's any other person that is better suited and better equipped and with the yeah. experience that she has to assist you through that. I mean, you've heard it on this interview, right? In fact, I personally, um, you know, I've been in the media a little bit and um, I'm always learning. I'm going to go back and listen to this interview a couple more times because she just said some some really, really powerful um, and helpful nuggets. Um, in closing, Susan, I wanted to make a, um, a point here. As the audience is listening to you, they're watching you, they're looking at you, your beautiful office setup, your, you know, your, your demeanor, your posture and everything. And they're going to get the sense as I do that you are the ultimate professional. You are polished. You, you've, Put in the time, you put in the work, you 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 have the work ethic. You're the kind of person that shows up in your personal life as you do in your professional life, which is at your absolute best. People watching this, people entering the Impact Speaker Awards or the <laughs> Voices of Impact Awards, um, some of them are just beginning. They're going to look at you and they're going to look at Susan's ability to tell stories and her ability to speak and, and articulate her thoughts. I could never do that. I can never be like Susan. Man, she's really good. What would you say to that person so that um, they feel comfortable enough to step into the ring, if you will, without having to compare themselves to you or me or anybody else that they might look up to? I don't want you to be like me. <laughs> I One of my favorite sayings is Oscar Wilde's like, um, what, he said, what did he say? Um, oh my God. Now I'm spacing out on that. It's one of my favorite sayings. Um, I can't, do you know which one I'm talking about? I do not, but we can oh, look it up. Oh, by the way, <laughs> if you ever have, you know, if you ever space out like that, so ask the audience, what was I saying? You know, to get that impact. Um, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Mm. Be yourself. Everyone else is already everyone taken. Everyone else is already taken. Yeah. yeah, because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for your originality. We're looking for your quirks. So, um, you know, I've had training in all of these different areas and worked with, you know, transformational speakers and all of that. So what we want to do is look in your background and find, you know, there's not one right way to do it. Like there's all these different types of speakers like i would recommend people start listening to the moth if you haven't like the, the, show, moth. the moth the radio hour it's a podcast you can hear like all these different types of speakers which is so fascinating and there's not one right way to tell a story or be a person but you can learn so much from somebody's style and the way they tell the story and where they pause and all of that so it's finding your own way and lots of times we start with, um, oh, I want to be like that. And and that's fine, too, to look at people and go, that's one part, something that I want to master. So instead of having it be insecure or imposter syndrome, say, how can I how can I practice that? How can I rehearse that? Whatever your word is, how can I role play that so I can start to embody that quality? What do I need to do and how do I need to think and how do I need to be? How do I need to breathe to begin to shift myself in something that maybe I don't like so well, you know, or maybe right. that, and, and I think that's an, uh, you know, iterative process. I was thinking about this, like, um, you know, I also love the saying by the Dalai Lama, um, be kind whenever possible. It is always possible. But my caveat mm. is it's not easy. And part of that practice is like when you have, even when like, I'll have a bad thought about somebody in line or I'm crabby in the grocery line. And, and then I say, well, it's mind training. Can I shift that in the moment and find something lovely about that person, even though I'm so irritated that they're going so slow or whatever. And that's a practice, right? Like, and do I always get there? Absolutely not. Sometimes I'm just so crabbed out. Right. And, but that's part of the practice. That's part of the role play. That's part of the rehearsal. That's part of training your mind, training your brain, training your mind, training your body for anything. So I, I, and I'm always looking to other people to see what qualities that they have that I want to uh, shift or improve in myself. 
Wonderful. So what Susan has just shared with us, I think, is absolutely brilliant. A lot of us say, you know, I want to be like so-and-so. I want to be, I remember when I was um, pursuing a career as a music recording artist, I wanted to be like Julio Iglesias. Uh, mm-hmm. That was my aim at the time. Um, but, you know, I wasn't, re- I hadn't really thought about it. And I, in over the years, if I studied personal development, um, to support what Susan just shared, what I came to realize is that I didn't want to be like him, but I was willing and wanting to put in the work that it took that he did in order to get similar results, right? Or results that would oh. fascinate and, and fit in with me, right? So don't look at Susan and go, oh, I could never be like that. You're not being called to be like that or like anybody else, right? But you can certainly emulate the excellent qualities that she has, right? The excellent advice that she's given you, the excellent training um, uh, and counsel that she's given us and and do some of the things that she's gone through, right? In terms of educating yourself, she's obviously a great reader, right? So you can become a great reader. She's obviously a great listener. So you can become a great listener, right? So you can certainly get results out of your life like Susan or like anybody else that you admire, but don't ever try and be anybody else other than who you are, because that's who we're looking for, as Susan pointed out. Mm. Susan, we are at the top of the um at the top of the hour here. Thank you so much for being here with us. I truly, truly appreciate your gift, your your wisdom, your time, your talents. And so so grateful um, our team is that you raised your hand and you said, yes, I want to support the Voices of Impact Awards and be of service. Uh, you were one of the first. And so we are just truly, truly Thank grateful. You. Thank you for inviting me. And I love that you're creating this. And I love your very relaxed presence. And it made it so comfortable for me. And I think when you're comfortable with yourself, was it a Johnson? President Johnson said, be like an old shoe. And I don't want to say that you're like an old shoe. You're like a, you're like a Gucci loafer, maybe. Nice, nice. <laughs> that is, you know, you're very polished, but very relaxed. And it made it so comfortable for me. And I think that's really important. I think it's important to make people comfortable. And also it's important to make sometimes make people uncomfortable. It is. Both. But you've made it really super comfortable for me. So people can really look to you to like, this is what a relaxed presence looks like with a go with the flow kind of person, you know, that's taken... I mean, you you were a lawyer first. You've had so much experience on the other stage as as a lawyer, right? And as a trainer and that sort of thing. And that's what you're seeing in your presence today. It's the sum of all of that that experience, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Thank you for that. The whole world is a stage. Each one of us are on stage at one point or Easter another. Said that. Yeah, really? <laughs> yes, he did. The whole you, world is stage. You have you have all these quotes, all these beautiful quotes memorized. I love quotes. <laughs> yeah, I love quotes. Wonderful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed um, producing this interview and hosting this interview and having the, the privilege, uh, because it is a privilege for me to speak to Susan Harrow and ask her these questions and have her share about herself and her story, her career, um, and to bring all that wisdom to you. So know that you can work with Susan. She's one of the official resource partners of the Voices of Impact Awards. Go to voiawards.com, the official resource partners or the resources menu tab on the website and pull down. You'll see uh, Susan Harrow's name listed on there. And you can connect with her to get her free gift. Uh, she's also going to be delivering uh, a complimentary training to the applicants of the awards. And if you want to deep dive and take your relationship with Susan Harrow even further, all her links are on the on her page, um, her social media links, her website, um, all of that where you can connect with her directly and work with her to elevate your life. And by doing that, you're going to be able to elevate the lives of others around you, whether uh, at your work, at your home or in your community. And that's what we're here for, to help you elevate. So thank you all for your time. Thank you, Susan, once again. We'll see you on the next episode.